Have you ever been the last person eating at a restaurant at the end of the night? Maybe you see some sections of the dining room go dark, tables wiped down, even chairs stacked on top. It's kind of weird, right? Of course, I always wind up feeling kind of guilty if there's still somebody waiting on me, and then I worry that I'm keeping the restaurant itself open too late or something. But it does pull the curtain back a bit. This fancy place with the expensive art on the walls and the black squid linguine, just the same as your favorite greasy spoon, smells a lot like Lysol at the end of the night. And these days, with restaurants shutting down their dining rooms after possible coronavirus exposures, you can guess that they smell like a lot of Lysol. Almost since the beginning of when restaurant dining rooms were allowed to reopen, they've had to re-close after close contact with the virus that nearly killed the industry. Some go dark for a night, others until further notice, all dealing with the reality of doing business during a pandemic. I hope that if a customer does get a test, um, they stay home until they get the results because it can be detrimental to a restaurant. So we talked to the owner of Herbie's restaurant in Clayton, who had to close his restaurant for 10 days last month to find out what happens when the lights go off, what us diners should be feeling around for, and how they make their next moves in the dark. It is hard. It's not perfect. Then, of course, food news and your weekend planner. Aaron Tietelbaum has a mind for details. The St. Louis native has run a handful of celebrated St. Louis spots. Today, he owns Kingside Diner locations in the Central West End and Clayton, plus Herbie's nearby. The diners are a little more contemporary than your nearby breakfast counter. They make seasonal cocktails to go with your breakfast flatbread, for example. Herbie's isn't wildly expensive, but it's definitely more elevated. Fine dining with rotating menus. Running three restaurants means running a lengthy checklist in your mind pretty much constantly. When I asked him to try to go back to day zero of Herbie's 10-day closure, he did me one better. He could tell me the exact time it all started happening. So at... Uh... Three o'clock on a Saturday, we got a call from a client saying that they, a person in their party had taken a test um, earlier that week, and they got the results back that that more that morning, and they tested positive for COVID. They were asymptomatic, but tested positive for COVID, and um, they felt like they should let us know. You get the call, then what happens? So what happened is uh, my manager on duty texted me and said, um, you know, we got this call. What are we going to do? And I said, and I hadn't even come up with that thought yet. You know, I hadn't even planned that we were going to have, I wasn't even in the space yet. I've come to this whole big space over the last three weeks, you know, of, of, of understanding that they're what, where we are with this, with this disease, with this virus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not, I did not have a plan, I guess is what I'm saying to you. Um, and my, cause we, I mean, we take a ton of precautions and always, always had. So my, my plan, plan my, to I, not let it happen in the first place. <laughs> the, guess, though, right? the plan and the plan wasn't a guess. Right, the plan was for employees. Yeah, it, all of our precautions are, are strong, and we have plexiglass at our bars. We had thermometers and health checks for all of our, and still do for all of our employees before they walk in the door. I mean, everything that we could possibly do, we have done to make our facility safe. Um, so we weren't thinking about a customer um, telling us that they they 
had it before they got to us. Um, you know, that just wasn't the case. So anyway, the, 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 I guess the answer, what you're looking for is we, um, we called a full, what we call a full book today. It's smaller than it, what it was before, but a full book of reservations and canceled. There was probably 40 people in the restaurant um, at that time. So we had all of them pay and leave immediately. We sent all of our employees to get testing um, that day. They had to get testing no later than Sunday morning. Um, and we shut down and we called um, citywide cleaning. Uh, our landlord had used them. And they um, came out on Sunday morning and um, sprayed the restaurant chemically for whatever the chemicals are they use um, and cleaned the restaurant. Um, so that was, that was Sunday. So, I mean, our initial was close, make sure everybody's safe and get the restaurant cleaned. Um, our initial plan was get everybody tested and open and, you know, get back open as fast as possible. But testing was so slow, um, that we weren't able to get all the tests back in time. Um, but after, so we, my, my father's at WashU and BJC and we have connections down there and we, we, we then took their, we have now since then adopted their plan and, um, a, a law firm that handles, um, that works for the national restaurant association and, um, another insurance company. We've adopted a plan that allows us to open up, um, quicker than 10 days. But what we, what we learned is that if the person was asymptomatic in your restaurant and they were wearing a mask, um, and your employees are all asymptomatic, then you, you are, um, safe to reopen with your safe to reopen at the 10 day mark. Um, if you've been closed that long, they're, they're, they're and they're not showing symptoms still. They have, they, even if they haven't gotten their tests back. So that's why the 10 day mark was important to us. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the test delays, because I know personally, I wanted to go get a test um, before going to care for my grandmother. And I went and I got tested and then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And these tests are taking quite some time. And it was frustrating for me, but my it wasn't really changing my life any um, for folks who are trying to get their businesses back open or get back to work. Um, was the delay in testing results frustrating to you? Did it um, cause any issues with what your plan was uh, originally or what, how you would have preferred to do things? I mean, it cost me $20,000 for them not to get it in time. I mean, we were closed through another weekend and, so it cost us an additional $20,000 and it's delayed everywhere. There's nothing they can do. They're just being flooded. Um, and so, you know, they're talking about group testings and things like that. Um, you know, asymptomatic people getting a test is very hard. You know, it's, it's, it, they're not, they're not rushed. Um, and then the, I think they're the 24 the hour quick test is, I mean, they're all seem to be not very, um, up, they all have a, a false positive rate, right. but the um, the one that is not the nasal swab is is really inaccurate, so it's almost not worthwhile. Um, so, you know, the testing is a problem. They're not; it's not trustworthy. It's not quick. It's not. Um, it's not. It's not the answer today. 
Um, I mean, it's definitely helpful. Um, like we had an employee that um, recently we had to go get, he was had a fever and to find out what was going on. And they, they did a rapid test because he had other symptoms and he ended up having appendicitis, not, not COVID. Wow. Um, but, um, you know, there's, right? Like in this world, we were talking about that. Like, when, when do you find yourself grateful you have an appendicitis and not COVID? Right? In 2020, <laughs> like, everything in 2020 right? is something weird and unexpected, right? <laughs> it completely is. So, anyway. That it's employee doing okay, is, by the way? He went into surgery yesterday. Yes, he is doing. He he got out fine. Um, But so that's why we had to adopt. We had to adopt a plan that um, wasn't based around testing anymore. It's not. You can't open and close your restaurant on testing. So you know that's the world that we've decided we have to we have to maneuver to, which is you know making sure that we're creating a safe environment. Okay, so you heard him talk about losing $20,000 in the 10 days they had to shut down. That's not even including the $18,000 he spent to install cameras that will help them track if they have another scare. Were people wearing their masks and social distancing at all times? Who are the employees or maybe customers they have to worry about? Or the sanitation equipment purchased to deep clean the restaurant every single week? Aaron worries he can't afford to keep paying employees if they have to keep shutting down. That's more than 200 people at all three of his restaurants, so they need to stay open if possible for the employees' sake. But he learned pretty quickly how expensive it is to keep COVID out. All because of one asymptomatic guest showing up without knowing she was positive. Uh, we found a lot of people talking to us about how terrible that was that that person came in. And yeah, and I was so going to ask you about that, especially if they'd already well, had a test pending. So... Correct, but there's there's a lot that goes into that. And it was an 82-year-old woman that had not been out. She had just gone back to, and I don't want to talk about where, but right. to a facility, um, a workout facility, and they were giving free tests. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'll take one. You know, it wasn't like she thought she had it or had any reasons that she thought she would have it or anything like that. Interesting. Um, now, was it, is it the best, is it the, the you know, is it the, most the best practice no but you know again we're i would i tell my staff and i tell everybody that asked me that question we're in contact with people with covid every day i mean i just got to be honest like there's no way that you're not you're out and about and you're not in contact with somebody um it's about how safe are you with your in, in your own space i mean there's so many people that are out there that i at least in my opinion and from you know other programs i've been on and and things like that that i've taught i've heard you know chances are you're in contact with somebody. And when we see 150 people at our restaurant a day, chances are, you know, there has to be, you know, if you choose to go out, you need to choose that you're going to be safe and go to a facility that does all the measures to be safe, but that there is always a risk. You, it costs you money. You had to do all of these things. You had to shut down in your opinion, but there are other places where we've seen them say we had somebody who tested positive and we closed down for a couple hours and wiped it down and they claim everybody got tested and they just reopen. Or frankly, we've heard of places that we people are reporting to us that there's been a COVID case there, but nothing official from the restaurant, no closure, nothing. Um, you could have just gone silent. 
we could have. Um, you know, that is not who we are, and that's not the stance we we've ever been, or um, what as a as a as a restaurant. I've never lived that way. I, I believe in transparency and honesty. And I guess when I was asked this question beforehand, you know, uh, what I why I decided to do what I did is because the first thing that I always do is believe to be is to be honest. Um, you know, that is what's that's what's carried me through life is or at least some of my life and, and to today that, you know, if I am honest about what's going on, at least um, I can feel good about the actions we're taking. And I don't believe that anybody can fault me for being honest. Um, and that's the hardest thing is, right, you know, we've got a lot of people we're trying to protect in many different ways, like yeah. whether it's their money or my money or, um, or their health, or our guest's health, or the guest perception. So there's a lot of factors. So the only thing we can do is be honest. That's all we can do. That's and that's why we made that choice. Um, but the comment about you know, uh, if I may say, about the restaurant not making a decision. And I, again, I said this in an interview just the other day. You know, my family isn't going to be out on the street. Um, for this today. I don't know about that tomorrow. I never, I don't think, but we're not going to miss a meal. Um, and so we have the luxury of making the right decision. I don't know what decision I, I would hope I would make the decision if it was going to, you know, put my, not get my family, not be able to be fed. And there are, there are business owners out there that, you know, that day sale may feed their family. I have, you know, I do believe that. So, I just don't know everybody's situation, so I can't judge those situations. I appreciate you saying that because I think that's something that we've tried to really um, remind people as we cover this story is that restaurant owners, managers of businesses um, are having to make decisions on a very close to the vest level. Uh, things are going to be different. Circumstances are going to be different for everyone. So I think that what you're saying is really valid there. Um, if I can ask you to kind of think about it from a different perspective, though, than what you did experience. I mean, you had a case of a person who came in asymptomatic. Um, they did the right thing, I think, by calling you um, and letting you know. But if... If there was a person who is out there and maybe not considering getting tested or maybe ignoring symptoms or going to restaurants and not really wearing uh, masks or doing the social distancing thing. I mean, what is the responsibility of the restaurant patron right now to make sure that we're not putting business owners in situations like the one that you were just in? So, you know, I always encourage everybody to be honest too, like with, with the, um, with, with the restaurant owners, if it does happen, I, so we do, I would hope customers are honest. Um, I hope that if a customer does get a test, um, they stay home until they get the results because it can be detrimental to a restaurant. Um, we have put, we provide masks for our guests if they do not come with one. I don't understand how people could not come with one because we're required to now by the city and county. Right. Um, and I just, I know people are, are inherently against it, but you know, if you choose to go out to a restaurant, I would hope and pray that you, that you respect the fact that it's not about you. It's about the people that are around you and the business owners that if you're not wearing a mask, 
And, and now they're talking about going into restaurants and looking to see if those things are being upheld. Um, please just do what the county and the city have told us to do and help us execute that. So we can stay open and serve you. Um, I, the first couple Fridays we were open, I don't work in my restaurants anymore and I haven't for a long time. Um, I had to work the door with my hostess for the first couple Friday nights because the attacks were so rough about people not wanting to follow our rules and regulations. The restaurants actually genuinely want to be, um, no, I had to teach her to stand up for herself. That was part of it. You know what I mean? Because we're not used to standing up to our customers. We're, you know, we're in the service and I don't even stand up to my customers. I mean, and I'm owned my restaurants for a long. I mean, my job is to say yes and do the best I can unless it affects my employees. Um, and so anyway, I had to show her how to do that because people didn't want, we, we don't allow standing at the bar. They have to be in between the partitions. We don't allow certain things. And so I had to actually work the door to help, um, navigate that because so many people just didn't want to, um, to participate in the rules that we have. And I think most restaurants want to participate in rules. We just need the support of our community. What are some things that when people are going out in other restaurants, maybe not in Clayton, maybe not in the St. Louis area, when they're going out, what are some things that you think people should look for to ensure that their dining experience will not only be safe, but in case of an event where somebody at the restaurant at the same time tests positive, they'll be looked after? So that's a good question. And, you know, we've kind of felt our way through it um, and built the program around it. And and I have to, so when I'm going to say all of this, um, I also want to remind everybody to be kind. Okay. We all do, you know, have faith that we do the best that we can every day. Um, and it, nothing is perfect. And the reason like they had to install cameras cause, cause my people make mistakes. Okay. Everybody makes mistakes and I need to be able to figure out when those mistakes are happening. Um, and so when I say all this, nobody's perfect and just be kind. But, you know, when you go to when you go to restaurants, look and see if they don't have paper menus because we choose not to. But we have a dirty and a, and a used pile. Make sure they're using that. You know, make sure they're cleaning them in between it and make sure that, you know, you notice whether your menu came from what pile. And, and you know, you, you wouldn't normally look at that, but that's something to look at because that's an easy transmitter. Um, and I would also be conscious to check and make sure that you're, the wait staff is wearing their masks and not pulling them down because it is hot. All right. So yeah. I have cooks cooking in, in the kitchen in masks. I mean, wearing masks while cooking in a hundred degree kitchen, it's unbelievable. Um, and I, I'm, I was a cook by trade first, so I, I, I can't imagine, but, um, I think that it is, uh, I think it is important to make sure that they're wearing masks. I think that you don't want to go into a restaurant that doesn't look clean. I mean, that's one of the things we harp on the most is, you know, what does the restaurant look like? Is it clean? Is it picked up? Because if it's not, chances are it's not getting wiped down the way it should be. Um, those are the kind of things that are, that are important, uh, when going out. You said earlier, you know, if, even with the economic situation the way it is in so much of the world, you know, you are in a relatively comfortable position. You are privileged and blessed and lucky right now compared to a lot of people. That's fair to say, yeah? 
For sure. So you are in this business still, though, that you could technically walk away from. Um, You are now, you got into it for a love of food and hospitality, and now the hospitality part is strained. You are spending money on camera systems and personal protective equipment for your staffers, and you're losing money because of our constantly changing situation that we're in. What is it that makes you say, you know what, I'm still believing in this industry and this business and my restaurants, and I'm going to keep the light on in the kitchen? Well, I mean, I... If I walked away from this, I would have to find another job. I mean, that's what I do. <laughs> this is what I do. I've done it. I've done it all my life. So, and I own three restaurants. Um, I and I'm the sole owner. If I walked away, um, almost 200 employees would not have jobs. Um, they or they would have to go find new jobs. They would probably. But you know, I I do this work. I I do what I do. Be, not anymore. For I love hospitality, but I love employing people and being a mentor. Um, so I, that's why I do it today. And I don't want that. I, I don't know, um, that there is a love of anything else that I would want to do that at. And this is what I'm built for. I mean, I went to culinary school. I'm not a, I don't do, I didn't, I don't, this is what I do. Um, but on, on the other side, the reason why I, I, I don't believe, um, you know, I got every piece of government funding out there. You know, I mean, I've got, and I will continue to get them all. I'm one of the first one that applies for every grant that's out there. You know, my job today is, you know, keeping people motivated and, and searching out for money. And so that's what we have to do. We have to, you know, pivot into that direction until this passes, because this too shall pass. I mean, it will. Um, it, it may not be today or tomorrow, but it will go, it will pass. And, you know, the people that run good businesses will weather it. Um, I believe that's my gut and I believe we will weather it. So I don't, I'm not beat down every day. I go to work. I come to work every day and I participate with my teams and you know, they all are in it with me and I would never give up on that. Dory almost my beloved producer from afar is with Mm -hmm. me right now. I just really appreciated his openness and honesty. And I think a lot of us would would really just appreciate that um, willingness to close. And that's a tough decision to make. But I think a lot of people would really appreciate that, um, just being very open about the situation. I, I know I don't want people to be Putting my putting me in at risk, even when I'm going out and trying to do everything I can. I want everybody else to have that same respect for me. So I appreciate that. Absolutely, respect is what keeps the world going around right now. To the extent that it's going round, I guess you could say. But Dory, let's go into some food news here. We are talking um, on August 5th, ahead of the weekend of August 7th, 8th, 9th, um, and actually just. This morning, we had some pretty big news that about something that we've been looking into and anticipating for quite some time. Yes, and I've been thinking about this place. So City Foundry announced that they're going to be holding off on fully opening to the public for the foreseeable future. Of course, this is all due to coronavirus concerns and health. I drive by this place all the time. I know a lot of people in St. Louis probably see it right off the highway. The food hall is on hold for now. So some bad news there for everybody. 
Right. This is the thing that if, if you've seen it and you just see some big sign that says City Foundry, if you're heading on 40 down, toward downtown, kind of by Ikea a little bit, um, it's it's similar to the type of things you see in like Indianapolis, I know has a like a city market and mm-hmm. it's a like an it's exactly what it sounds like it's like an indoor marketplace but then this one was going to take it even further with the um alamo draft house so another beer hall element to it going to have a movie theater which is pretty cool because there isn't really one um especially now with the moolah theater closing um there's not really a move there's not a big screen movie theater in that particular area and really accessible to SLU students to all the people who work in midtown downtown a lot of people asking about this and looking into it so uh, the other elements of it though will continue things like office spaces apparently their office spaces are about 95 percent leased but they do have a little bit more space a couple different uh, organizations around st louis making their headquarters there which would be pretty dope actually and they're still going to be able to move in which is good news it's just that they're going to have to close off the publicly accessible elements of it. And so we're going to keep working that story and see what other details we can find for you guys. Of course, Gerard Kraft named the culinary director over there. So a lot of big names getting involved in this. It was a $220 million renovation project. So we're going to be asking a couple more questions about that and hopefully find some more information for you guys in the coming weeks. I think considering how much was invested in this, we can expect it to open at some point. So it's not completely like kaput. Um, It's just a matter of when really at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something um, else that's happening around COVID land, but maybe better news, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So in Belleville, they're going to continue doing their outdoor dining. Um, This is where they sort of the streetery things that we've talked about the central west end where you close down a street you let the restaurants put the tables out on the street they're going to continue that in belleville through november 14th that's a long time yeah i love that um so these street closures include south high south jackson and north church street and it, downtown Belva is very cute, so it's cool to see that they're doing all of that. Um, if you are trying to cook at home more, but also want to be supporting local, Schnooks is doing something pretty cool with this latest announcement. Yes, they're adding on more of those grab-and-go meals that are featuring local restaurants. Um, I seek this section out every time I go to Schnooks it's to awesome. see what else they have there. Yeah, so you're going to find more the next time you head to the store. Um, all of these ones that they just added in are black owned businesses. So getting some more support for our local black owned businesses. These are including Royally Baked, The Fattened Calf, Patty's Cheesecakes, Kathy's Kitchen up in Ferguson, uh, Miss Piggy's Smokehouse and Bold Spoon Creamery, who we just featured on the podcast. These are such great options. Patty's Cheesecakes. I've met um, the person who runs, I believe her name is Patty, but I don't, don't quote me on that. Um, that uh, I, I believe I've met her. I've tried some of her wares before. So good. Kathy's Kitchen, very cool that they're able to take that next step. Um, of mm-hmm. course, having played such a big role in a lot of the uh, civil rights movement that has happened in the past couple of years up in Ferguson. The fat and calf I'm excited about because that's Filipino food. So yeah, black owned Filipino. Very cool. I'm excited to try some of that. And of course, it's nice to hear that Bold Spoon is making big strides. Maybe we made that happen. Do you think? Or we're just like on that early bandwagon at least. That's true. You listen to us, you're ahead of the trend. (laughs) (laughs) 
Speaking um, of getting ahead, we're already talking here about Thanksgiving, but for a good reason. Yes. Yeah, so Brass Rail, another uh, place that we have featured on the podcast before, they are already looking ahead to helping people this Thanksgiving. Um, last year, they gave away 10,000 meals for free, no questions asked. Their goal for 2020, which I'm assuming was before coronavirus, was to give away 20,000 meals. They wanted to double that. And they know that the need is even greater this year for a lot of people, but that also makes it tough for people to give what they can. So they're going to start raising money right now to help as many people as they can around the holidays. They're accepting donations, but also selling raffle tickets. They're $50 each, and that gets you entered to win Brass Rail for a year. So I think it was like 52 $50 gift cards. So that would be amazing. Um, they have all the information on that on their website, and we'll put a link to that in the story notes. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love that they are on top of it over there, that they are not just saying because of the hardships of the year, we're going to have to put this on pause. They're saying because of the hardships of this year, we're going to have to ramp everything up. And that's awesome. So yes, definitely check out that link in the episode notes. Yep. Um, So we got some other good news kind of going on in the area. Cafe Napoli is expanding to the streets of St. Charles. Gosh, there's so many places going on. Uh, opening up there. Um, This will be Cafe Napoli's third location. It's in the same building as Narwhal's. They don't have an opening date yet, but they say it'll be an upscale yet fun atmosphere with a casual flair. And something good to kind of keep in mind for when they do open is that they will have outdoor seating. I guess now all the friends that I have to bribe to meet me from St. Charles in Clayton, I'm um, running out of places to drag them to. <laughs> if I can't say, let's go to Napoli. So, but good for them with that expansion. So it'll, it's definitely diversifying the streets of St. Charles. They have all sorts of things going on there. So yeah, very interesting space there. Cool spot up there. Um, so we've got a big, uh, I put this in quotes on our little rundown here, a partnership. A what? A partnership. <laughs> You just sound like you're from like South Carolina. <laughs> I know. I thought like, oh, I sound like Texas right now. Like an old, like an old-fashioned movie Southern accent. <laughs> oh, okay. A partnership between Urban Chestnut and Purina. So they uh, already paw. So it's paw. P A W. Those of you didn't pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I love it. Don't ever apologize for a pun with me, Dory. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, So we already know that those two have the urban underdog uh, beer that they have. Well, now that they're going to be continuing their Raise a Pint for Pets campaign, they're hoping to raise $25,000 for local pet shelters. So to help doing that, they're putting together, which I love, this urban underdog dinner pack. I've already said we are getting one of these whenever we can coming up here soon. So you get one take and bake pizza, a four pack of Urban Underdog, one bag of Purina Begging Strips, and a limited edition Urban Underdog koozie. So the cost ranges from $25 to $28, depending on what pizza you get. $10 of that will go towards helping. Wow. Cultures. Yeah. And that's going to be available now through September at Urban Chestnut's Grove location. Milo is already excited for this. Um, so I threw a birthday party for Mia over the weekend. Uh, I love the pictures. <laughs> she wore a tutu and a crown, everyone. Um, so she has she doesn't understand birthdays or gotcha days or time or anything or why I put a crown on her. But I'm gonna go ahead and say because today is actually the one week 
it's five years and one week since I adopted her. I might have to look into doing this to, to keep the celebration going for myself and also just because dogs, beer and dogs and dogs. pizza. Exactly. You don't need a reason to celebrate. Just do it. Exactly. Dory, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? I had a lot of great things to eat this week. Um, I will say a runner-up. I got Brasswell, which is inside Rockwell. Uh, their chicken sandwich, man. It is just so good. So good. So I got that, but that's my runner-up because – I think just sort of wanting a little bit more normalcy and also missing getting out of my house, uh, <laughs> I decided to order um, my favorite crab cakes from Baltimore. Um, yeah. It's called Jimmy's Famous Seafood. I ordered this whole big gift set, which came with two crab cakes, crab dip, two different kinds of crab soup seasoning and salad dressing. And it was just amazing. It hit the spot you can't really get good crab cakes around here, at least not like you get out on the East Coast in Baltimore and Maryland. Not without like going to a restaurant where they're preparing them for you and everything like exactly. that. Exactly. Like right yes. Yeah. So it was great to have that little bit of like travel come to me. And I've already decided we're probably going to do this maybe like once a month, ordering more of these crab cakes. Because it was just nice, a nice little treat that just can't get around here. That's crab-tastic, Dory. No, that yeah. sounds like an awesome – And isn't it cool how, like, you can order crab cakes from Baltimore? That's – how did pe- how would people have survived the pandemic <laughs> in, with, before shipping? Like, right. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was great. They came cold and packed, and it was a nice little surprise on my doorstep Saturday morning. We cooked those things right up. So if somebody's interested in this, what's, it, what's the company or the restaurant called again? Jimmy's Famous Seafood. They ship worldwide. They, they have a whole like part of their restaurant that's dedicated towards shipping. They're very experienced in doing that, and they have a lot of demand for it. So you can't mm-hmm. go wrong if you want to get some crab cakes. Rise Coffee House is open once again in the Grove right on Manchester. And if you've never been there, it is like the cutest, funkiest. It's, it's so adorable. Cute. I love yeah. the murals outside and they have a really awesome setup like on a hill with the picnic tables. And they're really great about making sure that people are, who are there are eating, um, you know, are socially like their customers. You don't just have people like lingering around and crowding the space up. You have, um, them going, I saw them go up and clean multiple times. But the cool thing about it is I was walking my dog and we could just go right up to a window, order a coffee and a breakfast sandwich and just kind of hang out and walk up and down the sidewalk and enjoy the morning and then come back in a few minutes and the breakfast sandwich and coffee were ready. And I think walk-up windows are something that I really hope stick around after this pandemic too, because that's just fun. And also that breakfast sandwich stuck with me like all day. It's a delicious, it's on a biscuit. It's like really thick piece of egg on it. Oh, very delicious. They're very good. Yes. I recommend it. So maybe you can consider going there this weekend if you are looking for something fun to do. Uh, Once again, we're talking about the weekend of August 7th, 8th, 9th. As we kind of mentioned, Belleville is still doing some street closures for eating outside this Friday. Al fresco at the MX on Wash Ave is still happening, as well as Friday and Saturday, the streeteries in the Central West End. So give those uh, check those out if you haven't yet. And then also, you mentioned Rockwell a bit ago, Dory. Sunday, they're having their first ever 
Give Well Sundays event. Also kind of in the Grove area there on Van Deventer. A hundred percent of the gratuity starting this Sunday will be donated to a nonprofit the brewery believes is making a positive impact in the community. First up is the ACLU of St. Louis. So kind of like, you know, those places that have the give back, Katie's does give back Tuesday pretty famously. Mm-hmm. Um, now Rockwell is going to have give well Sundays. And I'm just going to say it, the fact that they picked Sundays to do this, not just some random day um, mm-hmm. where they probably don't get a lot of people walking in and out. Sundays are busy day at the brewery and it's very family friendly, very great for groups of people hanging out. And to see that they're doing that right now during all this, kudos to them. So definitely put that on your to-do list um, pretty soon here. If it's not this weekend, eventually. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you get it every single week. Leave us a rating and review as well. And make sure you tag us on Instagram or at Abby Eats St. Louis when you eat something delicious. If you are a restaurant that wants to keep us posted on your openings or closings or different menu offerings or anything like that, we're really trying to keep up to date with those on our Instagram. Until next week, seize the plate.